Y'all, the enrollment cliff, here it comes. You know that. If, it, if there ever was a time to differentiate your school and really hone your messaging, now is the time. Making vague claims like, we're the best such and such school in the world, or we're industry leading this or that or the other, is, well, just please stop doing that. Let's just knock that off. Uh, it's time to move beyond that and get specific, get clear, and figure out how to communicate the value of your school to prospective students in a way that's easy for them to understand and digest and make decisions based off of, and that's realistic. And today I'm thrilled to introduce you one of the people in this marketing messaging arena that I respect the most, and that's going to really challenge the way that your school thinks about messaging. Uh, his name is Josh Cantrell of Signal Brandworks. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. I'm happy to announce we are now part of the B Podcast Network, which is a network of podcasts in, in the education space. Lots of great content for leaders and educators in all roles there, so go check them out. But this is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled. We're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating their video storytelling content through a subscription approach. You can learn more about that at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, go ahead and subscribe. And if you've been listening for a while now and haven't left a review, I'd love for you to break the seal and do that. My guest today is Josh Cantrell. Josh is the founder of Signal Brandworks, which is an agency working with brands on clarifying and simplifying their messaging and marketing content and helping them craft marketing collateral that moves people to action. In this episode, we cover things like why saying we're the best school is counterproductive and what to say instead, uh, taking vague messaging and making it clear and direct and making it and making it make concrete sense to people. We talk about how storytelling connects people emotionally to your school and helps them tune out a lot of other options. We also talk about chat GPT, a very relevant topic now, how to use it as a tool for helping you, uh, you know, get your message out there and how not to use it and whether Ben Franklin and Mary Poppins would be good babysitters. So here's my conversation with Josh Cantrell. Josh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Um, so do you help uh, B2B brands simplify complex stuff so it's easier to sell? That's that's your LinkedIn headline. And I like that that's even in itself a complex idea that's simplified. <laughs> <laughs> right. Another one I use a lot is a B2B speech therapist. And so that, that's been getting a lot of traction lately. They're like, hey, that's clever. I'm like, well, the goal is not necessarily to be clever. But I do find that a lot of people, when they sell something big or complex and uh and there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of elements to it. They just have, they end up just kind of like stumbling over their words a lot, right? Or they end up saying so much that the, the real meat and potatoes at the core of it gets lost. Um, and my son, who's four or five, who's diagnosed last year with autism, and mm. he's been going through speech, doing some speech therapy work. And, um, and I was just realizing, man, there's a lot of parallels between what I help people with, like learning, like, don't, let's not overcomplicate things. Let's simplify it down to kind of the bare bones, like what's actually going to help you like lay the foundation work for understanding uh, bigger picture concepts and uh, building relationships with your words and, and all that stuff. So anyway, that's part of why I kind of adopted that as well. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about your son. That's uh, in that um, there's a there's a show called um, 
oh, what's it called? It's about da- it's about people with autism who are entering like the dating world or something mm. like that. It's like yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, it's, um, oh, it's called Dating on the Spectrum. So I've watched <laughs> that, and it's really interesting. The speech coach that comes before they have a date that talk that mm. like helps them talk about like what's really important to say in this moment? Like how, you know, mm. how do you get her to talk? How do you, how do you clearly talk about what, anyway, anyway, yeah. that's an interesting parallel. <laughs> yeah. And with, you know, and just treading lightly on how we talk about that stuff, I do think there are some, or just, just walking with care as we kind of make an analogy or parallel, like it's not obviously the same thing, but right. But I do think that, um, it can be difficult for, uh, there is some truth to the fact that it is very difficult to simplify what you do in a way that somebody else can receive it. And that, um, and so I think there are some, just like with, uh, as my son's going through therapy and learning some things, like there's some real, when it gets down to it, it's really just practicing a few tools or a few techniques and you stack those techniques and you stack that practice over time. And um, so what I, what I end up helping people do in, our, in my work and some of the stuff that we've even worked on together is like trying to break down some of that complexity to like the fundamental principles and elements that are going to be most impactful. And you can get better at that stuff over time. And I've seen you develop in, in what you've done as you've kind of built your business and studio. And, um, and it's just, it's super cool to see. So, yeah, for people uh, listening, Josh, and I go back several years to when I was at a previous production company, uh, shout out to tell studios. Um, and, and, and I was part of the conversations about clarifying that company's message. When I started my own, uh, when I started unveiled, Josh was one of my first calls, um, to, uh, to just help me like, kind of just like get a good a messaging foundation. And so that's kind of, we've, we've worked together on, um, the the uh the storytelling resource that i that i uh that i give away a free download josh and i built that together um you know if you've ever gotten uh an email emails from me josh and i worked on on those a little bit together and then also just a lot of like how we how i how i set up this podcast and how i positioned it has come from my relation or my yeah my relationship and my work with josh um so yeah very, you know thank you for <laughs> Dude, I, I, you're so welcome. First off, it was a lot of fun. Like it's, you're just a, a fun guy. Uh, and then the second half, uh, I just love being able to kind of watch how you've taken it. You've made some changes and what's fun about what we did together. A lot of it, we did in a day, right? Like we did a yeah. little bit of prep and then obviously you've made, you've done work, but that was part of our, my funnel in a day copywriting workshop where we sat down for literally like seven, eight hours and just knocked a bunch of this stuff out. So, um, mm-hmm. It's uh, and you've yeah there have been changes and that just that happens like as you kind of dial some things in or make some tweaks, but uh, the the bulk of it we got we got done in that one day. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was a really fun day. So t- speaking of that, which uh, why don't you tell our listeners um, just like what what do you do practically? Like what can people come to you for? Yes. So one of the things that uh, my clients experience is that they find it hard to take all the amazingness that they have internally in their company and put that into uh, just simple marketing stuff like a website. Like how do you talk about you You do all this amazing stuff. How do you put it on a website in a way that makes people go, huh, I want that. <laughs> That's the goal, we, right? We want them to go, huh, I want that. <laughs> so I help people get that, that experience 
brush it, that, that interaction with a potential client from their, uh, from their website, um, by starting a little bit bigger picture and changing how we're talking about some things. So, um, one of those things is, uh, if you've ever heard of the story brand framework, we bring, we use the story brand framework a lot to help simplify the complexity and simplify what a company does or an organization or a school, what they do so that it's really easy to understand and not just simple, but then we'll take it another step forward um, and think about how do we make that even more compelling? How do we differentiate you from your competitors? How, we describe, how do we describe your process, the way you do what you do, or the way you get an outcome for people in a way that makes them go, a light bulb go off and go, oh, that is different. That is interesting. That is cool. That's kind of what I want. Um, I help people describe the problems that their customers are experiencing so that when they, uh, when they talk about, or when, they, when the client or prospect hears them, they go, huh, that organization, that school, that company can help me. They get me. Um, and then once we get the kind of story crafted um, and the website crafted, we'll help them create assets that help them sell or build their pipeline. So emails, um, lead magnet resources, ongoing blog content that builds, you know, that generates thought leadership type stuff, uh, you know, uh, even social media content, video scripts, a lot of stuff like that. So there's a lot of implications once we get the main story and the main stuff dialed in. Um, but those are the, the kind of two parts. Yeah. And we work together, like I said, early on in, in uh, starting my business with your funnel in a day workshop, which was, um, you know, really, really helping um, me create a resource that people that would be valuable to people. Um, and then that would, um, help me be, be able to, you know, start to nurture them. And then, you know, you, we work together on how to nurture those, uh, those relationships through email. Um, and so I think it's really, it's, it's just, it, I think it was really applicable to really any industry, any, any, any type of organization that has a vested interest in nurturing, uh, prospective leads, prospective students, um, you know, so it's really, really valuable. And yeah, we, we, it was a, an intense day of just full brain use, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Ooh. but yeah, we, we got it done. And honestly, that was, that was some, some of the best money, um, <laughs> that I spent on, on my, on my business, um, which That's I, awesome. you know, I just think like, yeah, I could just talk for days about how like helpful that was, you know, just, but just the act of clarifying your message, even just that in itself is exciting and so helpful when you can take a complex, vague idea and figure out like, who is that for? And how do I talk about that? What are the words that I use? And then, and then how to format those communications, how to, how to format your website so that it's accessible for people to, you know, want to keep scrolling through and, getting value as they're scrolling through so, so much stuff. Um, one of the, I, so I've mentioned story brand several times on this podcast, but I mean, I've never actually given like a very good explanation of what it is. So, so can you explain like, what is the story brand framework? Yeah. So story brand framework is a way of changing, changing, uh, simplifying what you do. Um, so that you can leverage the power of story to, connect with people more emotionally, more, uh, on a, on a more real, clear, simple level. So essentially it's a seven part framework that uses the power of story to clarify a company or a school or an organization's message. So, um, it's based on the premise that you 
as the person selling something are not the hero of the story, right? We hear that kind of line that's becoming pretty popular these days, but really your customer is the hero of the story uh, that you are entering into. You are positioned as the guide and uh, you need to be positioned as the guide. So the Luke, the Yoda to the Luke Skywalker, they're the Luke Skywalker trying to go out and accomplish something, trying to find the right school, trying to build a career, trying to do these amazing, get, you know, get trained and, and learn some things and have amazing experiences. And you, the school come along. Um, if you come along and position yourself as the hero, like I am the most amazing one in the story, then they're going to kind of like check out. They're not actually looking for another hero, right? They're looking for someone who can guide them to where they need to go. So what our messaging needs to do is not necessarily just position ourselves as an authority or a, uh, a hero per se, but to position ourselves more as like a resource and a, and a help to help them get the, what, what they want. So what the story brand framework has seven components um, and they all kind of are mapped to these kind of ancient elements of story that are kind of wired into our human mm -hmm. DNA for how we process the world. And um, we just kind of tap into that to make how you talk about what you do really simple, clear, and and super compelling and fun for uh, a prospect to to read. You know, a lot of times you go to a website for something that, you know, some business or organization website, and and it's all about them. It's all information yep. about them. It's all like a proof about you know them and how amazing they are. Um, and so those, you know, there's a place for that. There's a place for building proof and authority in your marketing. But if that's the only tool in your toolbox, you're really missing out. So, uh, yeah, that's that's essentially it. Yeah, it's almost like like I've said before on this podcast, it's like the the way that people or organizations talk is like middle or end of the funnel kind of communications, you know, where mm -hmm. they they have a website where people are mostly landing on that probably having, you know, heard of the institution before. Um, but, but they're still kind of curious. They're still in that kind of a, awareness phase and that's the phase to like really inspire, you know, people. It's not really, it's not ex really the, the place to convince, um, it's, it's to get them to go to the next step. But I think a lot of organizations and, and, and higher ed institutions stay in that area of like, I want to convince you to come to this school mm. over other schools. Sure. And it's like, people aren't really ready for that yet. Cause they, yeah. You know, yeah. That's interesting. I also see the opposite. You know, I see, I see the opposite a lot where people only inspire or they only talk about, um, you know, positive, happy things, but they don't ever talk about challenges. They don't ever talk about, um, uh, you know, they don't, they don't try to sell, you know, like there's yeah. a balance between inspiration and calling someone to action. And both of those things need to, you need to be able to do both of those things. And the whole spectrum of your marketing efforts should cover all of that, you know, but on, on websites, a lot, I, I see more often than not, I see people that just don't, don't do any selling or don't do any, um, maybe calling to action. It's like all real fluffy, yeah. kind of vague stuff with no, no hard, uh, like, well, what do I do if I'm ready to buy? Why should I buy? You know, like, and even in the higher ed world, you know, it could probably be easy to think that we're not, we're not really selling. Uh, but you are, you know, I don't know if, if that's as much, if you find that a lot in your conversations with people, but, um, there is a place to sell, you know, you are selling a product. Um, you are selling a brand and experience and a way of encountering the world through education. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, all that to say, 
it's good to sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I noticed that a lot too. And, um, uh, and you know, Don Miller in the story brand framework, uh, talks about that too. It's like, don't make it hard for people to buy from you. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. A lot of people stay in that, in that sort of inspiring sort of messaging, um, mm -hmm. phase, uh, but then they don't ever ask them to do anything. Yeah. So for school, like, you know, on the webpage, like it should be easy when they, when they're on a landing page or whatever, a program page to know what the next step is and how to apply mm -hmm. <laughs> or how to get more information, book a, yes. you know, a call or whatever, however that process works. Um, yes. And that's a lot of things. I mean, a lot of organizations, um, miss that. And that's something I'm just really ke keyed into. Like when I'm on someone's website, I'm like, for, yeah, you burn. It's like you burn calories trying to figure out how to give them money. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I can imagine for schools this challenge is particularly hard because people are not going to just like more than likely if someone's not already ready, <laughs> they're coming to the website in order to apply or submit an application or to request an application or what, uh, whatever your process is for acquiring and enrolling students. Um, more often than not, they're they're gathering information. Um, so I find that, yeah, there's, there's a couple of different things that you need to have. Um, one is that kind of direct call to action where like, Hey, if you're ready to apply, apply now. The other one might be, uh, speak to an advisor or speak to a, you know, speak to somebody. Um, so what's the next phase, what's the next phase down from somebody that's ready to do something with you? Um, and then the, for the people that are kind of in the, um, in the researching, just kind of feeling some stuff out. Uh, there may be an opportunity for, for, you know, some higher ed for schools, for lack of a better word, for you know, universities, colleges to offer some sort of lead magnet. I know it's probably not a big thing in this world, but um, some sort of resource that can help you build your email list, and or and, and it could be even just going to going to social, but some sort of value add for people that aren't quite ready to speak to somebody, aren't quite ready to, you know, enroll, but need, we need to move them into a higher level of relationship and engagement with the with the organization, with the brand. Um, and so a lead magnet, some sort of resource that you give in exchange for an email address or a phone number, or even just like to follow on social, um, something like that. You know, like a free, like free course, like a free, you know, yeah. sample of, you know, one of your program courses or something. I've seen colleges yeah. do that really well in, in, yeah. in ways that like, I'm not, I'm not in the market to go back to school, but like I've, I've taken some of these, you know, courses here and there and I'm like, oh, I just want to go to this college now. I want to, yeah. like, I, I miss learning, you know, I miss yeah. learning like this. Totally. Um, so, uh, so you and I were talking um, before we started recording here about um, just differentiating uh, different schools needing to differentiate themselves from each other and the the pattern that 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 schools fall into about saying the same things about themselves as everyone else. So, um, what what would you, be your advice? Because that's a that's a I would say that's probably one of the t most top of mind you know things on a marketing team's. Uh, you know, mind is like, how, how do we separate ourselves? What, what would yeah. advice would you give? Yeah. Well, I think the tendency for across really almost every industry is to discount the things that, that do actually make you different. Um, a lot of times we think, oh, we've got to have, you know, if we're competing against this kind of school, we've got to do it that way. Or we've got to market like they do. 
Um, but you don't, you know, like you, you are you. you, everything about you. There are some people out there, you know, out there in the world who are looking for exactly what you are. And so um, really, I think the first step is taking, taking an, ad, an inventory of both your assets, like the, the benefits, the things that you have that you bring to the table that are just like real about your campus, your location, like, um, you know, your staff, like uh, your focus, the, you know, things like that. Just taking an inventory of every positive thing you have going for you and not just assuming that you already know what those things are. I find that when people uh, really sit down and they're thinking, at a high level, but then also granularly, what do, what is awesome about us and about our, our university, our college? Um, then, man, there's a lot more stuff that can come out that you realize um, if you're if you're willing to go deeper and get a little bit granular and think about it as an inventory. Like I'm going to make an inventory of every single thing that is awesome about us. Um, on the other side, there is. Uh, there's another inventory that I encourage people to think through. It's like the process inventory. What, what is unique or distinctive? Um, and it doesn't have to be massively unique or massively distinctive, but just slightly unique, slightly different and slightly distinctive um, about your approach to how you do higher education. What, it, what is your unique flavor? And instead of thinking that, man, it has to be totally different or totally unique, it's like, no, let's think about all these things are adding together. Um, I've heard uh, if you're familiar with the Dilbert comics, like uh, the guy, Scott Adams, I believe is the, the, the guy that wrote those um, and drew, illustrated those. And he's, he, I read a blog of his recently, got a great blog actually. And, uh, and it was like, there's two ways to become the best, or there's two ways to, uh, to achieve success, kind of, right? right? Uh, and, and to achieve notoriety for your success. One is to actually be the best. And there's, a very, very small amount of people that are ever actually going to be the best in the entire world at that thing. So mm -hmm. the other option is to be the top 20% in a few different areas. And, and once you put, once you stack those two to three different areas on top of each other, you're the best in the world at those doing those three things together. And so I'd be thinking, what are we, the university, what is our university, our school or whatever, what are we, the top 20% um, in and how can we stack those things together and use that to kind of like define and position your value proposition as opposed to thinking we've got to play the same game Harvard plays or we've got to play the same game this other, you know, the number one plays like you don't play that. Don't play that game, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it ends up when we do that, when we play the same game or we try to be a different version of them. It, it, it waters down everything you're doing. Um, and the people that are really looking for that unique set stack or set of top 20% in, in the world, uh, that collection, then they're going to find you and they're going to be really, really grateful. So I'd be, those are two different, two different, maybe three different, uh, exercises I'd yeah. be thinking through to help distinguish that. Um, another, uh, another like real quick thought here is, um, we could get into this, but stories, I think that's a big part of it, but that may be another conversation. Yeah. Um, th there's a, you know, going back to what you said about, um, uh, being the top 20%, like, or, or something like that. There's a school that I follow. Well, I always say we're the best, um, business school in the world. <laughs> just, just out of curiosity one day, I was like, let me, let me research that. Like yeah. <laughs> they weren't even in the top 100. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, that's so funny because we do that. We think that the way to compete and the way to build authority is by making a claim and then whether that claim is true or not, we don't really care, but we're like the best, the industry leading this, you know, I see that a lot in the business world, yeah, but yeah. man, like what happens when they read a report and you're ranked number 20, you know? Um, well, it erodes trust when we make these claims and, and then, you know, it's really hard to validate that kind of stuff anyway. Harvard, is it, you know, Harvard or, you know, whatever, some other school, the best school in the world. Like, well, how, you know, how are we measuring that? Um, well, right. one school's metric for success might be different from another school's metric for success, you know? Um, so I think like find out what's important to you and important to your people and build your claims around that. Don't build your claims around quote unquote best, build your claims around what it is your audience is actually trying to accomplish by going to your, your school, your, your university. And so the only thing, the, one of the only ways we can do that is by, um, you know, actually communicating with our, with people. So yeah. a, uh, a, a billboard one time driving down the freeway for a, de a dental uh, company or de dental yeah. uh, office or whatever. It's a, the top dental company in Michigan or whatever. And then in really little text, it said as voted on by our staff, <laughs> <laughs> like they thought I wasn't going to see that part. Oh man. That's amazing. <laughs> like, oh technically, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> it's so much better to just say, uh, say really friendly dentists, you know, just say right. that, whatever, you know, I don't care. And just show your logo a bunch. Like our people, here's the other thing, man. A small percentage of people are actually looking for quote unquote, the best. They want quote, they want that stamp, that certifiable, the best ever. The rest, the 90% the of other people are looking for the right fit, you know? And so when we're playing this game, when we're playing the game of the best versus the best, like you, it ends up leading to a lot of just blah marketing everybody's saying the same thing, doing the same things, you know, different ways of saying the best or whatever, but like what actually makes you unique and distinctive? Like when you go out, um, <laughs> going back to the dating conversation, uh, are, when you go out and, and you're single, are you looking for the literally the best person in the entire world? Like, is that how you think about it? Or are you looking for someone that, that fits you? You know, you're looking for somebody that fits you. There's no way of quantifying who's the best. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how we're thinking about it. So, um, I don't know if that analogy can, can hold up to, you know, too many layers of, of scrutiny here, but I think the idea is yeah. it's worth considering. Like, are we playing the wrong game or should we be focusing on who we really are and finding the people and getting, getting that in front of the people who want that particular thing? Yeah. When, when, when Laura, my wife, Laura and I have, you know, random, just funny conversations about like, why, why do you love me or something like that? Yeah. I'm always just like, because you're mine. Like, yeah. Like, there's no, like, logical, like, I could list things that I like about you, sure. but that's not why I chose to marry you. I didn't ch choose to marry you based on a logical pro-con list, you know? <laughs> I yeah. chose to marry you because we, we developed a connection. And I think that, um, really, like, that's, that's the nature. And then that's where storytelling fits in because storytelling f is, is that connector. It creates mm -hmm. that emotional connection to, to where um, now in the, in a, in a, in a whole sea of thousands of, of possible universities and colleges, they're emotionally bonded to the one that captured their attention and kind of 
bonded them to themselves yes. through storytelling, through messaging, uh, whatever. And so they may not be, they might not even know. Yeah. Like you said, like they might not even know who's the best, mm-hmm. but they like that one because that's who they developed a connection with. And, um, you know, it's yeah. like, let other people let, let other, like, like for you, like I might, I don't know a lot of, you know, <laughs> uh, fun, funnel messaging experts and stuff, but I've worked with you and we've developed a connection. And so if anyone asked me, I'm gonna be like, Josh is the best, you know, <laughs> you got to go yeah. see Josh could very well, there might be someone better. I don't know. Probably sure. not, but <laughs> there, are. there are, I'm not the number one in the entire world. And if you're looking for that, I, I I'm sorry, but I am top 20 in a, in quite a few areas and, you know, there you go. And, and like owning that, owning that collection, man, it can be, it's, it's a powerful thing. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a fun little angle. I haven't really ever explored before. I like that. Quick break here to tell you just to just tell you how it is. I know you think your college or university is the best. You feel that it's like, if you live in America or Germany or Australia, in your mind, that's the best country because it's yours. You have a sense of ownership uh, with it. You, you have something invested in it. But you can say that till you're blue in the face. But guess what? Prospective students don't have that same perspective. They're not starting from that place of ownership of the brand. They're on the outside looking at all these schools that are saying they're the best. And when that's happening, nobody's actually saying anything helpful. And as Josh said, most people aren't looking for the best. They're looking for the best fit for them. Uh, they're looking for the school that grabs their attention and uh, and convinces them that they're the best fit. And that's where storytelling comes into play. Stories of successful students and alumni give prospective students someone to relate to, a human to relate to, someone they can look at and say, I see myself in that person and I want their story to be my story. I want to go where they went. If it's a fit for her or him, then it's probably a great fit for me, whether or not that's the best school in the universe, whatever that means. And telling these stories through video is a very relevant way to communicate that. I'm not going to say it's the best way because I would be a big hypocrite because not every mode of communicating is the best all the time. Uh, but if your school is wanting to tell more stories through video, you might be thinking, man, making even one video just takes a ton of legwork. There's so many steps to go through to herd all the cats and you get one video out of that. But imagine having 132 videos across the year and pretty much all you had to do was find the stories to tell and pass them on to someone else to tell them uh, without having to do so much of the tedious work that goes into one by one making videos. At Unveiled, our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories. Whether you're a big school or a small liberal arts college, you can tell really compelling stories all year round anywhere uh, in the world and fill your content calendar with video content because we're going to batch shoot a year's worth of content and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story along with a whole package of additional video content. Uh, You're going to get the full length story, which is usually two to three minutes. You'll get a 30 second cut down, a 15 second cut down uh, to use in various ways, and then you're going to get eight topical videos that are repurposed from the interview. So we really aim to make that a smooth process and, and, and automate that video content for you so that you can just sit back and wait for videos from your school uh, shot in a very high-end way uh, to just show up in your inbox. And then all you have to do is deploy them. Just 
percent do what you do with them so if you're interested uh, and you're like me and you want to know pricing before you actually really talk to somebody uh, a live human you can go to pricing.unveiled.tv and download our pricing guide it's got everything in it that you need to know and then in the next step from there is just book a call with us which you can do also on our website uh, all right back to my conversation with josh cantrell so tell me like you kind of talked about this a little bit. What's the process you take companies through to help them narrow down their message? Yeah. So, um, the, the easiest way to say it is brain dump, <laughs> absolute total brain dump. Tell me everything that you think is important about what you do. Um, and then tell me about who you're actually trying to reach. And so, um, our secret sauce is taking taking that the people you're trying to to reach and what it is you do and t and 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 mat marrying those things together what do you do and what's important for them so um you know the nuts and bolts of it are pretty straightforward like we've got a questionnaire that kind of walks through uh pain related questions like who is what is what is your audience struggling with? Like, what are your uh, how does that actually make them feel inside? Um, what is your plan for helping them solve that problem? How do they over how do you overcome that problem? Like, who are you to say that you can help these people? Like, justify tell me a little bit about how you are uh, what makes you an authority in this space. Um, tell me about uh, not just the process of accomplishing what you uh, how how you actually accomplish those results for people, but um, but also how can they, how can they work with you? Like, let's make that plan, that path really, really simple and clear. Um, how do we call them to action appropriately? Um, what kind of success are we trying to portray? Uh, what kind of, um, negative consequences for making the wrong decision are we trying to help them avoid? Um, those are, you know, kind of basically very simply walking through the story brand framework. Um, that's kind of what it looks like. And then how do we craft, the answers that we've identified as being the most impactful to our audience, how do we craft that into some sort of narrative, some sort of story? Um, and there's some very simple ways we do, we do that as well. And the outcome of it is, is pretty profound for a lot of people. I've had people in tears, literally, <laughs> at the end of yeah. this, just like years trying to figure this stuff out. And then we've got, man, we've got a very simple framework that can help, uh, help demystify, unclutter, pull out all the irrelevant stuff, um, and say, hey, that's actually not that important. Somebody that on the outside can come in and say, hey, that's actually not that important. This stuff is really important. Let's hone in on that stuff. Um, so anyway, that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, the 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 like emotional release of adding structure to your life mm. and like simplifying complex things. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Like that's that's how we should talk about. It. Like I needed somebody to come in and just say why don't you say this? And then, you know, it's just, yeah. And simplifying complex things is one way to think about it. It's also clarifying vague things is another one or clarifying hard to pin down concepts. Um, so what makes you better as an organization? That's hard. You know, that's a vague, there's a lot to that. And so it may not necessarily seem complex on the outside, but, but it's a, it's a hard to pin down concept, but th people don't buy things that are really hard to pin down. You know what I mean? People buy things that have a distinct, clear value proposition. And so that is what we want. That is what I want all my clients to have, like to go from vague, uncertain, confused to clear, compelling and, and totally on the nose and relevant and exciting for people. So that's 
that that's how we think about it. Love it. Um, can, do you have any examples of maybe a company, B2B company or whoever that you've worked with that, that had a complicated messaging structure or complicated product that you helped simplify and like kind of what the results of that were? Yeah. Um, well, we've worked with one company that was a, uh, a travel advisor. It was a, a marketing agency for travel agents, travel advisors. And man, they were saying all sorts of complex, all sorts of different things. Like just a lot of times what we find is that people, they default to just not know it. They don't know the, the silver thread that runs through, like the, the thing that unites everything that they do, all of their services, all the audiences that they serve. Like they don't have that figured out that clear. And so what they end up doing is just kind of like vomiting out all their services and all the things that make them, that they do. And so, um, agencies I found are pretty bad at this, but, uh, you know, colleges and, and universities and, um, edu anybody in the ed education space, like a lot of times it's like, Hey, we do this, we do this, we do this. We do, and the B2B is, is notorious for this as well. It's like, you have so much capacity, you can solve so many different problems. How do you, how do you streamline it all down to like, this is actually the core of everything that we've, that we solve for people. Um, and so we're able to kind of help, help one of those companies do that. Um, and then we turned it into an email sequence, I think 10, 10 emails or so, um, kind of reinforcing this kind of newly unified message. And over the course of literally about 10 emails, um, we, we did some sales, some sales oriented emails and some sales work in there. And for the past like three to five years, they had only had 120, they'd only been able to get to about 120 clients. Um, and so just through the course of this work that we did, and then these, these about 10 emails, they went from 120 to like 230 clients. Um, and so literally doubled their business and potentially saved the business. So it was one of those that I was like particularly proud of because it was, uh, one, we could say the word, you know, we helped them double their business, which was fun. But then two, um, it was a big deal for them. You know, it's a very big deal. Um, I had another client, a lot of what I do for, for smaller organizations and startups and uh, even solo consultants or entrepreneurs is, uh, is work that bears fruit after a few different years, a few, uh, maybe a year or two years. Um, <clears throat> and so the results can be things like what you talked about before, like, man, I feel, I feel confident or I feel clear. I feel excited about uh, the, the vision that I have for how to talk about what I do so that you know, in my emails, in my outbound emails, in my nurture sequences, in my lead magnet, in my podcast intros, like, I feel like, hey, we've got, we've got the thing, we've got the story. And so a lot of our work ends up not being super quantifiable, um, just because of the, the nature of like where an organization starts and then where they go. But, you know, I've had, you know, I get testimonials like, like, this changed my life, you know, or like, I, I have been struggling with this for years. And now I finally feel confident. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's stuff like that. That's valuable. Um, but on the B2B side, when we do larger organizations and stuff like that, we're, uh, we, you know, we've got one organization we work with where they, um, uh, you know, they're just consistently using our messaging to generate leads through, uh, the, the mark, the content sponsorships that they do. Um, so they're writing on another media platform. They've, they've paid for a sponsorship to, to write content on this other company's website. 
and they didn't know what to say. And so we're able to come in, you, you know, clarify the core message and then write content that supports that message. And then they're able to put that on a platform where somebody else has the audience and then it all drives back to, the, to, to their website and to this kind of unified message. And, you know, they're getting, that's how they've been building their business over the past, the past few years. Um, and then I, you know, I've got a lot of other fun stories, but those are some of the, the kind of key ones that come to mind. Those are so good. So uh, what I like about your work is that, um, uh, you know, there, there's what to say and how to say it, but then also how to format it visually. There's what's a, there's, um, you know, what the words are, but then like, how do they get spaced out on the page? How do you lead someone through your website um, in a way that's clear uh, in the emails I get from you? Um, I rarely open anyone's emails, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and I, I open most of yours, not all of them. I open sure. most of them to, uh, to, because I know like I'm going to learn something, um, and they're effective. Like, like the reason, the reason why, um, we did the funnel in a day workshop was cause it, uh, an email that I got from you or something. I feel like it was some sort of communication, mm -hmm. mass communication that I got from you where I was like, oh yeah, let's do that. Like, and, and I think that in, in itself is a skill of just like, mm -hmm. how do you, because you can open an email and be completely overwhelmed by, wow, that's a big block of text. No, thanks. Yep. Um, and, yep. and it could be the same words, but it's like how you format them. So, so talk about the importance of um, formatting. Yes. I mean, this is a big deal, man. We talk about, okay, so here's the thing. We are used, we are used to interacting with the world in a screen that's like about this big. You know what I mean? Um, and so... We're reading a lot. I think people are reading a lot, um, and but we're consuming a lot. But one of the things that brands need to understand is that how you put the communication on the page can can either support, like, lead people into consuming the content, which they you need them and want them to consume, or it can make them bounce away. And so, I think the one thing to keep in mind here is like, does this look hard to read? <laughs> if it looks hard to read then people are going to be less likely to, to want to read it. You know, if it, and here's one of the ways, like an example of something looking hard to read is a paragraph with three to five sentences in it. Most of the time, like you don't, you don't need a paragraph with three to five sentences in it. Uh, most of the time for internet based writing, whether it's, you know, not necessarily always a blog. I think a blog is, is a little bit different. Um, people are, you know, you still need to think about visually breaking some things up and we could talk about how to do that. But um, if you're writing an email, most of the time, I encourage people to have one or two sentences tops per paragraph. Um, it's not like an essay where you need to have like each paragraph is its own distinct kind of thought, you know, and you've got three to three to seven sentences and they all support this one, one, you know, topic. But um, no, like one to seven, one to two sentences per paragraph. Um, and then insert a little break and then sometimes insert, like if you're really changing subjects and it's important, put a little like three hyphens in the middle, <laughs> like super mm -hmm. simple, basic stuff. But, um, uh, and uh, man, I use a lot of ellipses. Um, so it's not the, it's not going to pass any AP test. Um, but, but it, it is, it does pass the, does this email help accomplish, does the copy on this in this, does the text in this email help accomplish the purpose of this email? It passes that mm -hmm. test, right? And so, 
like what's an ellipsis? Ellipsis is like the three little dots at the end of a sentence. And so, oh, okay. really, yeah. So I'm yeah. thinking about how can I create, how can I visually and verbally create some sort of slide, like slide down the email. So yeah. a lot of times people, um, how can I make it seem really easy for my thoughts and my words and visually for people's minds to just progress logically to the next sentence and not even just logically, like emotionally, like, Oh, that, yeah, I, I ended in a little bit of a cliffhanger here. How can I answer that down in the next paragraph instead of just immediately answering right, right there, like create a little bit of rhythm and flow visually through, uh, you know, paragraph breaks and ideally images is a big part as well. Um, like if you've got images that can, can, that can support a concept, like that's a, that's one of the things, one of the tools in your tool belt that people don't use. Like, yes, you can communicate something verbally, but it's twice as impactful if you can also communicate that visually. So if you really need somebody to understand something or to feel a certain way at a certain point, um, or if you just want, want to reinforce the main thing, like, uh, uh some sort of visual or graphic or image that can, can support that can help break up the text obviously. And, uh, and just help get your point across. So. Yeah. It's almost like the, I mean, the difference between, cause you wouldn't write like that if you were writing a book. Like if right. you were writing a book about marketing, it would be very more like journalistic, like solid blocks of text. But by that time you've earned the right to be heard. You know, yeah. someone has picked up your book, purchased it and said, I'm going to commit to reading this. Yeah. Um, whereas in an email communication, you're trying to, it's like breadcrumbs. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like trying to just get them to the next little step so mm -hmm. that they're in a place where they're like, okay, now I'm listening to you. What do you have to tell me? You know? Yeah, yeah um, that's good. And I think like um, a couple of one guy that I really love, he doesn't necessarily always do this in emails, but even in his books, his books are really pithy, helpful, insightful comment and uh, comments and content. But he's also a visual artist, and so he illustrates the pages and illustrates the concepts. And so uh, Austin Cleon, you ever heard of Austin Cleon? Show no. your work and steal like an artist. Oh man, you gotta you gotta I've check heard that book though. Yeah, steal like an artist and. Um, and show your work. He's got some others, I think, but um, really, I love the way he combine, combines visuals with text, and um, and especially if if there's some sort of visual element to your brand, I'd be thinking about how can or your school, you know, what you teach. I'd be thinking about how can we make this more beautiful, um, and not just for its own sake, but in order to like reinforce. The concepts and move people through to the point where we want them to be you know get them to consume all the content yeah absolutely yeah i think a lot about that even just like when i when i post snippets of this podcast um like i'm constantly refining like the frame that that sits in you know the vertical frame it's like how can i make this like satisfying but not like too confusing but like yeah, visually yeah. like someone can land here and be like okay like my brain can function here for sure. a minute, you know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Good. it is, it is interesting to think about that. Um, because I think a lot of times people are purely thinking, how do we make this look good? And that's not the question design is really supposed to answer. You know, that's not the thing that design right. is really supposed to do. Design is, is meant to, is meant as a tool to communicate something, right. Or to, uh, to create a connection, to accomplish something. So as you know, I've got one client right now that I'm like, man, some of this stuff is just really over-designed. You need to just chill out 
and let the content and the, and the thing speak for itself a little bit more, create a little more white space, man. Create a little less intense graphics so that the content can, can talk and really have its, its proper place. Um, and so it's a, it's a fine balance. I'm no expert at it, but, um, but I know it, it need, it does as you grow as you know, it, it, when you're really, when you're just starting out, it's, I think a little less important, um, you know, using, you know, doing a lot of visual work, but as your brand develops and you have more opportunities to take your, uh, your identity or to expand your identity out into other like senses, like, uh, you know, visually and audio, audio and, um, mm -hmm you know, all that stuff, then, uh, then it becomes more important. You can flesh out that brand over time, but anyway. Yeah, that's great. Have you used, um, uh, chat GPT at all in, in your work? I have. Yeah. Um, I found that, man, it's a, it's, it's, it's almost like a great, it's like a really good intern, you know, a really good research intern, um, who can write really fast, but has no personality of its own. And, right. <laughs> And, and so one of the things I like to think about is like, oh, if you had an, you know, if you're going to use this to help make yourself faster and better, don't, don't, don't outsource your thinking, excuse me, or your personality to this robot. Um, one, yeah. let's train it. There are things we could do to train it. Um, and two, um, like don't, yeah, don't give it, don't give it access to like the accelerator, the brakes, the steering wheel, you know, like all that stuff. Let's just, just give it one specific thing that you're, you're trying to do. Um, whether it's brainstorming or manipulating or, and then use your, your personality, your vision as a, as a filter. Um, I like right now, man, I, I've got three to five people that normally put out really interesting things and really thoughtful content. And I'm, and then over the past couple of months, I just see, wow, you just outsourced your whole personality to ChatGPT. Like everything mm -hmm. you're writing sounds terrible. Like a robot wrote it. It's very accurate. Yeah. All the grammar is great, but right. um, too accurate. <laughs> yeah, too accurate. And and so anyway, it's a it's a powerful tool. It's really fun. But um, when only when you think of it as a really smart research and writing intern that you need to direct and give and give some some very particular and strict guidelines too. So I'm actually yeah. building a product using it. So really? Yeah. Can you talk about it or is it under wraps? It's, it's never probably going to make money. It's just something I did for fun, but, um, it is essentially, it'll work a lot better when we have access to chat GPT four, which will come out soon and we'll, we'll get access to, but, um, it's essentially like a, um, uh, <laughs> It sounds so silly, but it's basically a a way to get um, advice from dead people I respect. So, really, uh, so if I want, yeah, <laughs> have you ever heard of the concept of the? Have you ever heard of the concept of um, like a historical board of advisors, where like, hey, I've got an issue in my life or my business, and I need to, uh, and I really wish I could get, man, how would how would Abraham Lincoln have handled this challenge in my life or my business? It'd be super cool if he was just sitting in my office or if I had him on speed dial. And so we've trained this, we've trained ChatGPT and we're building a simple web app to basically let you build profiles for all the people whose thinking you respect over time and present challenges to them and give them some context and then let them generate, uh, generate thoughts, ideas, stories, from their own speaking and writing and, and life. 
and then like bring that back into your world a little bit. Like, uh, so it's, we're still messing around with it. It's just like a little, a fun project for my developer friend and I, but, um, but it's actually been really interesting. Like, especially when they can bring specific quotes that they've said that in some way actually do apply to my challenge in my life right now. So anyway, it's just kind of a fun thing, but yeah, I've been having fun messing around with it. <laughs> I use it for all kinds of things. My, one of my favorite uses for it has been, um, I always find it really hard to find good case studies for the things that mm. I think about, like the things yeah. that I want to write emails about or write content about. Um, and I'm always like, like I'll read a book and I'm like, man, where do they find these, like these, these, these genius, like case studies of companies that have done this before. Yeah. But I recently asked uh, chat GPT, like find me good examples of, um, you know, emotional storytelling in, in advertisement. Mm. And it gave me like a list of five, some a couple of them I already knew about, but there yeah. were a few of them I didn't. And I was like, oh, yeah. sweet. Like that just gives me a jumping off point. Mm -hmm. I even use it for, uh, my, my, my seven-year-old Ellie, she's been homesick the last couple of days. And so we've been, um, using that time to her birthday's coming up next month and she wants to do a music video. Um, <laughs> uh, so she's doing a music video to this pink song. And, uh, and so her, her and I were in pre-production the other day. Uh, <laughs> so like she's having, she's having, uh, three of her friends over and the whole, the whole birthday party is just filming this music video. And then, but you know, she's got all these ideas. So we asked chat GPT, like, what would be like good backgrounds for mm. this song by pink? Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it came up with some good ideas and then we kind of were like, okay, so let's start thinking in that direction. Even like, even then, you know, mm -hmm. yesterday, uh, one of the hardest things I feel like when kids are sick is like, what do I do with you all day? <laughs> you know, especially when you were just sick the day before we've kind of like gotten all the fun stuff out of the way. <laughs> um, so I asked chat GPT, like what to do with a seven year old <laughs> that's sick at home in Troy, Michigan, <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. like 20 things. I love it. My favorite thing to do is to, is to improve it. Like it gives you your initial one and be like, no, this isn't good enough. Um, give me some more and do it. Uh, give me ideas as if, um, as if Mary Poppins was my actual babysitter, you know, like what would you do, you know, or, uh, give me ideas. And that's one of my favorite things to do is like it, because chat GPT three so far can't, it, it can't search the, the internet. Like you're not seeing live stuff. So, uh, but anything that was available until about 20, I believe it was 2020, um, you can, you can get access to. And so people that have like an established personality in the cumulative, you know, database of the internet, you know, um, yeah. you can kind of lean on that. And so, you know, what would you, if, if Teddy Roosevelt was my babysitter for a day, uh, how would he, what kind of activities would he do with, uh, uh, to, you know, to make sure my daughter's mind and body are engaged and, and having a great day, you know, well, I guess she's sick. She's not doing a whole lot. Maybe just, uh, yeah, uh, you know, stuff like that. Teddy Roosevelt's probably going to be a terrible babysitter for a second. <laughs> but yeah. Mary Poppins might be a little better. But yeah. anyway, so add, basically adding, using other people's personalities to get the kind of result you want through ChatGPT is kind of the main point I'm getting at. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. how, how how would Mary Poppins f find something to do? Who is, yeah. who is probably infinitely more creative as a parent than I am. Right. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I'm always like, my go-tos are like, all right, do you want to play Uno? No. <laughs> all right. Do you want to go uh, paint? Cause they'll yep. come out to the studio with me and paint. Like, no, I don't do that. All right. Well, uh, 
what else can we do that doesn't cost money? Because I don't want to take you to Chuck E. Cheese every day, you know, here. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, so uh, what was I gonna what was I gonna ask you? Oh, I guess that was that was pre- that was pretty much it. Um, what are you you mentioned a couple of resources, but what are some some resources for uh, organizations? I guess our audience being higher ed institutions, but um, that you'd recommend for people wanting to clarify their message if they were wanting to kind of take the next step and go, yeah, we, we really need to get focused. Yeah. Well, the first thing you might want to do is just go to my website, signalbrandworks.com and schedule a a chat. Like, um, if I, if I can help, let's talk about your issues, your challenges. If I can help you find a resource that I think you could, uh, that you could benefit from great. I'll, I'll connect you there. If not, we could talk and strategize a little bit about what it would work, look like to work together and how we can help you accomplish some of your, uh, you know, your objectives, whatever they are, um, how we can simplify and clarify your message. But, um, but some of the uh, other resources that I really like, I mean, the building a story brand book by Donald Miller is a fantastic place to start. Um, I have given away many, many copies of that book. Um, it's fantastic. And then the uh, Marketing Made Simple podcast is also put out by the Story Brand. Business Made Simple is the company, but Story yeah. Brand is the marketing branch of that now. And Marketing Made Simple is their uh, is their marketing focused podcast. That's a great a great place to go. Yeah, as well. Podcast, one of my favorites. Yeah, and then the other one would be, hey, just follow me on LinkedIn. Let's connect on LinkedIn, and I post and write about this stuff all the time. So it's uh, Josh Cantrell on LinkedIn. Cool, awesome, man. Well, this has been so great to talk to you. It's uh, yeah, it's fun to just uh, fireside chat about stuff we yeah. both care about. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This has been great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv if you're interested in our subscriptions and download our pricing guide. Number two, if you want to take the storytelling you're already doing to the next level, I have a free resource for you. It's a three-part framework for creating compelling student and alumni testimonials, and you can get that at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials. And all these links are in the show notes. Uh, Number three, leave your review for this podcast. It helps us out a ton. Thanks for listening. My name is John Azoni. Go connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, And in the meantime, we will catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.